0: Hello, Saubona, How's it? Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy.
1: So over the past two weeks, we've been looking at a series where we've been unpacking the critical, so important, profoundly valuable topic of soul care. And if you are only joining us today and it's your first time you're hearing and you're tapping into the Soul Care series, Please, 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 can you do yourself the biggest favor and go back and listen to week one and week two. Because in week one, we had Langer and Knox up here, and they, they set the stage, they set the platform for the Soul Care series. And Lange did a phenomenal job just talking about exhaustion. And I know that so many people went away from there and had a really good nap got some very good rest and realized, actually, you know what, I'm exhausted and I'm giving myself permission to go and have a sleep. And sometimes the most spiritual thing that you can actually do is go and have a nap, yeah? Um, And then last week, Wayne unpacked addiction. And I know from the show of hands that went up around the room, many people were responding to the realization that things were not right and they're wanting to get breakthrough um, and to be set free. So it is so important that we understand how critical it is that we have a healthy soul. Have you been learning some new things over the last two weeks? Yeah? Have you, have you been um, realizing that your soul is this precious gift that God has given you, created you with, that needs to be tended to and looked after? I really hope you have. And, um, and this series could literally alter the future of your life and the generations that you're called to steward. And I'm not even like weighing in heavy to be dramatic. It literally, if your soul is unhealthy, your spirituality is going to be non-existent. The, The critical element of a healthy soul is directly related to healthy spirituality, So I just want to recap that when we talk about one's soul in the series, we're talking about the essence of us as human beings. I'm talking about you as an individual, the thing that makes you, you. We're referring to the part of you that thinks and feels and makes decisions. Yeah? Are you doing that every day? Are you thinking and feeling and making decisions? Now, that's coming from somewhere. It's coming from the the essence of who you are. And it's either coming from a healthy place or an unhealthy place. And that's why we're talking about soul care. Because when when we're talking about care, we're talking about the things that we are doing consistently on a regular basis to make sure that our ability to think and to feel and to act is healthy and well. And you know what, our brains are an incredibly important part, (laughs) physiologically, in the way we think, feel, and act. And um, we looked, we had some graphics up in that first week where we said that an unhealthy soul or a soul that's just needing a bit of TLC is like a soul that's tiptoeing or maybe running full, full, you know, tilt towards the edge of a cliff. And, uh, and then we were putting up the warning signs. We were saying, danger, there is a cliff edge um, at the end of having an unhealthy soul. And we also looked at two very unwise chaps who are leading us towards the edge of the cliff edge. Um, and that is the blindness of ignorance and the distraction of busyness. And you know, sometimes we can be so distracted by busyness that we don't even see that we're about to go off a cliff edge, and then before we know it, we're 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 heading down, you know, a terrible terrible trajectory for our lives. Um, or there's just the blindness of ignorance, and that's why I'm really hoping that these sermons have have really helped to bring light and to illuminate um, some truth. And you know, for many of us these sermons have been like putting that safety harness on that we're able to go, you know what, I was was tending towards the edge of the cliff but that safety harness has been able to pull me back. And for some of us who were quite over the cliff, it's been rescue work pulling us out of those hard and tough places. So I really wanna ask you to put all distractions aside And give your full attention to what the Holy Spirit will want to do today. Amen. So let us pray. Father, as we come before you and we expound your word and we sit together, we do so knowing that you are in our midst. And Lord, we say, Holy Spirit, would you help us to open our ears, to open our eyes, to open our hearts, to hear from you. We want to be wise We're not wise in our own eyes. We want to be wise in the fear of the Lord. We want to be wise in the instruction of your word, and we want to be wise to obey it. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, I don't know about you, but the pace of life, the demands on us as people, our personal desire to advance and develop ourselves, and even the constant ability to be connected is really having quite an effect on us. Can I see from a show of hands who feels that life is just very, very demanding? You're being pulled on in multiple directions, yeah? That's pretty much the whole room. I I find it very infrequent that I meet somebody who's just so chilled and so relaxed and life is just this beautiful, easy thing that they're breezing through, Because the number of people I speak to, they feel overwhelmed, they feel harassed, they feel like they're trying so hard to do so many things just to stay afloat. And you know, we went to this amazing conference in Cape Town and it was incredible. The speakers were outstanding. The breakaway sessions were gripping in terms of content. The worship was phenomenal. But conversation after conversation, I engaged with people who were tired and overwhelmed and feeling like things are tough, things are hard. And um, I even had one couple who've got young children, and they were just saying how they, there's so much pressure on them. There's, you know, they've got to work, they've got to raise their children, they've got to provide income, they, they've got to study, they've got all these demands on them. They're trying to serve the Lord, they're trying to be good examples to their children. And I thought, you know what? I think you need to put the books away. I think you need to put the pressure away and you need to sit on the carpet and play some games with your kids. That's, that's, that's how I came away from the conversation going, just, just this pressure and this demand and this harassment of life. It's just gnawing away at our souls. Um, and you know what? When, when we've looked over these past two weeks and we've looked at exhaustion and its ramifications on us and how it sets us up to become vulnerable to bad habits and how those, that exhaustion can lead us into the place of compromise, I wonder how many of us would not be in a place of compromise if we weren't so exhausted, And that compromise and those bad habits, they turn very quickly into addiction. And we find ourselves in those patterns and in that cycle of just doing the thing we don't wanna do over and over and over again. And today, we're gonna look at what comes next. What happens after we've been exhausted, we're stuck in a pattern of addiction, what comes next? And before I get into that, I just want to preface the fact that a lot of my research today has come out of the work of two really godly, amazing men that I admire. And I just want to give honor where honor is due. So the one gentleman whose work and research I've really enjoyed um, tapping into is Brad Huddleston. And he is the author of Digital Cocaine. Um, and other really great material, and he travels all around the world working in churches and at schools and with law enforcement, just about the digital world and its um, detriment to the the young generation. And the second man who my heart is greatly indebted to, because Wayne and I actually had the privilege of sitting under his ministry um, for a whole week at African Enterprise, and that is um, the late... Dr. Archibald Hart. And he was the senior professor of psychology at the Phyllis Theological Seminary. And what a kind, kind man, full of time and grace and wisdom. He was leads ahead of his contemporaries in terms of what he knew and and how he cared for people. And um, he really was a pastor to pastors. And you know what? He said something. He said that we cannot have spirituality separate to our bodies and our emotions, and I really want that to just sink in because we come to church and we go to connect group, but we cannot have deep, fulfilling, meaningful spirituality, Christianity, without a healthy body and healthy emotions. The soul, which is all of that, and its wellness, is critical in our spiritual development. Our body's health, our brain's health, physiologically, our brain's physiological health and our emotional health, they really do affect our spiritual health and our well-being. And unfortunately, we have a crisis on our hands because a large portion of people who call themselves Christians are, have very, very poor emotional, mental and physical health. And as a result, their Christianity, their spirituality is weak. We are a weak army in many respects. And it's something that we really need to address, if not only for our own well-being and the, the purpose and plans and that God has for our lives, but what about the generation that we're calling we call to steward the generation that's coming up after us. Because if our spirituality is weak, what are we gonna pass on? We're not passing on strength. We're passing on weakness, dysfunction, captivity, brokenness, and how will they know the Lord and do great and mighty exploits for Him? So let us us prepare the way in a strong and mighty way. Amen. So what, what happens? Exhaustion, addiction, and then anhedonia. And her, what? Are you sitting there going, and her, what? What did she say? Anhedonia. Can you say it with me? Anhedonia. Who's heard of the word anhedonia? Okay, the doctors. <laughs> and the person who preached two weeks ago, all right. Anhedonia, alright guys, we are gonna look at anhedonia and we are gonna, we're gonna unpack it and we're gonna realize how critical it is that we understand this condition and we prepare for what is to come. In a nutshell, anhedonia is the inability to experience pleasure from enjoyable experiences. Anhedonia is the inability to gain pleasure from enjoyable experiences. It's an inability to feel joy. And it's a different kind of sadness to the classic depression. It's a different kind of boredom. It's not because there's nothing to do. It's actually an artificially induced boredom. It's like this emotional numbness a nothing feeling. It's a I don't care feeling. It's a sense of emptiness that you can't even find words or have the effort to describe. You feel internally dead while you drag your body around from one mundane function to the next. It's as if you've shut down on a deep internal level, fallen into an abyss and you can never imagine getting out of it. And it robs us, and it robs our children of genuine happiness. It's crept up on us as a society, and it is epidemic. And where does it come from? It comes from overstimulation. It actually comes from too much excitement. You ever heard that saying, too much of a good thing is bad for you? We're a society living with that. So let me explain it simplistically and then we'll hand over to a video from um, Brad Huddleston to, to expound it better. But basically, God has created us to experience pleasure. He's created us. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life in abundance. God's created us to experience the pleasure of holding the hand of someone you love. To experience the pleasure of having a shise niyama with some friends. And uh, you know that pleasure, guys. Have some friends around, a bit of meat on the braai. Come on, now we're talking. What about the pleasure of watching the sunrise or the sunset? What about the pleasure of going for a jog on the promenade and the sun gently warms your body and the cool breeze edges you along? This is what we're created for. What about the pleasure of sitting quietly with your Bible and your journal in God's presence and hearing Him say, I see you. I love you. I've got good plans for your life. See, the pleasure center in our brain was created so that we could feel that pleasure. It was created so we would have this uninhibited, direct connection with you do something healthy, you help somebody, or you spend time with loved ones, or you're in God's presence, and you get this connection. You feel happy. You feel joy. You feel alive. And now there's this chemical messenger that comes along and and sends this message to the pleasure center in our brain, and it's called dopamine. And it's wonderful because the little messenger comes along, you're doing something good, you're doing something great, you're doing something that you were wired to do, and the messenger comes along and it hits the pleasure center and you get that sense of, yes, that was great. But what happens is that when that messenger... Is coming too frequently, then our body tries to protect the pleasure center, so it creates a little wall, and then the messenger comes along and he hits the wall, and he goes, "Oh, I need to get to the pleasure center. I need to make this person feel good because we want to feel good, don't we?" And so we have to call some more buddies, and we have to have more dopamine, and then the dopamine jumps over the, the threshold to get to the pleasure center. But then the brain is smart and it says, no, 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 no! this, this is too much. This is, there's too much message coming along. So it builds a bigger threshold. And so we need more of the dopamine coming along, jumping over the threshold to get to the pleasure center. And then what happens is that the threshold grows even more. And so we have this repetitive habit. And that's what addiction is. It's more and more stimulation, higher, higher levels of that thing that we need to get to the pleasure center because our brain keeps trying to protect the pleasure center. Does that make sense? And you know what a massive contributor is in our society today? It's our screens. Our screens are bringing too much stimulation to the pleasure center in our brain, and it's having radical effect on us and on our children. So I'm gonna do a little demonstration just to bring it home, and then we're gonna play the video. So I need to know, anybody here like to eat chocolate? Besides my husband? (laughs) Oh, I see a big hand, I see a jumping up. Come on forward, come on forward. Come on. You sang for us this morning. I'm gonna reward you with some chocolate. Okay, how are we with this camera? Are we a bit too close to it? Do you want us to move? Are we okay? Are we good here? All right, so we like chocolate. So I'm going to give you a little chocolate, and you eat that, and you tell me how good is that? Is that good? Yeah. All right, she's getting that chocolate smile. All right, can you eat that chocolate? (laughs) Okay, you're gonna to have to do it in a way that's not too ladylike. Like you need to just start to put that chocolate. Oh, she can do it. She can do it. She's like, this is this is Sunday chocolate day. Mmm, <laughs> is that good? Do you like that? Yeah. You, if you, if you can eat that whole lot, we want to see. No, come on, you can do it. Oh, is it feeling a bit too much? Getting there. Oh, come on. We thought you liked chocolate. Just, she, you do. But okay, just keep going. Come on. More, more, come on. It's so good. Come on, more chocolate. You can do it, you can do it. Yeah, no, you feel, okay, just just keep trying, just keep trying, and then I'll just, I just wanted to just say maybe that one as well. Just, Just maybe that one as well. Yeah, just keep going. No, come on, come on. Because also, I just wanted to say thank you. I wanted to say thank you for doing this demonstration. Just have that one as well. No, okay, we still. But you know what, chocolate is awesome. So let's just let's just have these. You want these as well? Yeah. In fact, you know what? pull them all in here. Just, just come. We want to see. You. Eat, eat, girl, eat. Come on, you still got you still got round one going there. Come on, have some more chocolate. What about that one? Can we start that one on top? Come on. It's, it's too much of a good thing. Is it, is, it, is it too much? Are you feeling sick? Oh, she's going to gag. <laughs> okay, she's bailing. She's bailing. If you remember nothing from my message, remember that. All right. Get to a point where it's too much. It's so similar with the pleasure center in our brain. We're getting stimulation, we're getting excitement, we're getting information, it's coming through, it's feeling good for a while, but then it's starting to feel like it's too much. But what addiction does is addiction goes, keep going, have it again, have some more, and then eventually it shuts down shuts down, just like she got to the point, she was like, ah, I'm out. And that pleasure center, it just, it turns off. And then we don't feel anything. And then we're dead. We feel numb. We feel that emptiness. And you know what? The sad, sad reality is that we have a massive portion of our population in that state. That's why we have so many stories about children and young people whose parents would say he used to be such a happy young guy. He was always outside kicking the soccer ball, looking for someone to stop the goals while he just like slammed that ball. Now all he wants to do is be grumpy and moody unless he's sitting in front of that computer trying to get to the next level because he says that's what makes him happy. It's the only thing, it's this artificial stimulation to make him feel happy. Are we ready with that video clip? All right, let's watch this and, and see what Mr. Huddleston has to say.
0: Design some brain animations based on Dr. Archibald Hart's work. And I just wanna describe what Dr. Cardaris was saying in simplified terms. That little area that will dot there is called the nucleus accumbens. It's the pleasure center. It's part of the reward circuit of the brain. And whenever we stimulate ourselves, not necessarily with sinful things and things that even get get us addicted, if you enjoy reading a good book, that enjoyment is dopamine. God designed it for us to learn. It's part of your cognition. Your children need it to learn their math and English and history. You need it. I need it as a minister to read my Bible and to understand it. The problem comes when you get too much of it. Dopamine at high levels is stressful for the brain and it causes, that's what you're actually getting addicted to. At the normal levels, it's fine, you need it. A little bit of laughter is like medicine. That's why I let you laugh with the trunk monkey and I use the screen, no sin in that. The problem is if you turn your back on a kid with Netflix or with YouTube, let's say YouTube, they're going to uh, YouTube binge, which is a drug term. They're gonna see that sidebar and they're just gonna keep going. And the reason is, is because you can think of this part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, uh, as the brakes. It's where you can regulate impulse control. This part, the reward circuit, you can think of that as the accelerator, the gas pedal in the car. You mash the gas pedal, gasoline goes in there, and then eventually you're going to have to stop the car, and that's here. Well, if you're under the age of 25, you've already got a deficit. I'm not calling you bad names here. I'm just saying your brain doesn't fully develop until you're about 25 years of age because the last part to develop are your brakes. So with a kid, you give them a video game, and adults too, and social media, you're mashing the gas pedal, and you flick, 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 flick. And prior to addiction, an adult can still push the brakes, but a kid only has half of them working. And that's why God designed parents to come along and say horrible things like, "No." <laughs> but all that has stopped. You, you know that, right? Parenting in one generation changed from spanking and discipline and boundaries to, well, what would you like to do? It's not true of everybody, but in the in the big picture, that's what has happened. And so that's the problem. One of the problems. So that area of the brain, when it gets stimulated through drugs or through screens or through a good conversation, it's not all bad, dopamine gets released, that neurotransmitter that makes us feel joy and pleasure, and it runs in there, and on a scan, you can see it lighting up, which means the brain's being stimulated, Uh, but you see a wall forming there, and what that means is the brain is getting used to it. It's building up tolerance to it, and it's trying to push out all that extra dopamine, trying to get us to stop because we're doing too much, and it wants balance, it wants to achieve equilibrium, and we don't want those feel-good feelings to be cut off, so we fight that wall by doing the drug more, the screen time more, and then as the wall gets bigger, your amount of drugs have to increase to the point or screen time to where now you're addicted, you're habituated to it. Does that make sense? So the wall, as the wall gets bigger, the symptoms start to appear. In an alcoholic, it would be liver problems, if it'd be smoking, it'd be lung problems. With digital, it's what I showed you at Dr. Cardoris' video. They get angry and ticked off. And then after that, some of the other symptoms that we'll talk about later, they will cut themselves. Uh, they will have depression. It's a huge one. And then dark suicidal thoughts. Some actually commit suicide. All these rates have just skyrocketed. And it's for many reasons. It's multifactorial. But at the top of the list, uh, somewhere in the very top of the list, is their digital technology use causing it. And so eventually, when this medical condition known as anhedonia sets in, you notice the middle there—it goes gray, which represents the activity is shut down because the brain is now blocking out the vast majority of the dopamine, unless they're really doing something. Uh, Dr. Archibald Hart calls it uh, the thrill-seeking activities, like where they—you know—if you've ever watched BMX bikers, where they the flips and so forth have gotten really, really dangerous these days, because they're addicted to adrenaline, but dopamine too. So they have to push the boundaries that far just to feel. Pornography works the same way. You swore you'd never look at this type of pornography. Eight months down the track, this quit working for you. So you just took a peek and now you're addicted to the things you want. And then eventually some people act out on it, pedophilia and things like that. So it has to get more vile. In the pornography realm, it's called a polydrug effect. In other words, it's, it's like Coke and heroin mixed, and so the brain scans will show it. And I'll show you that in just a minute. But that's digital addiction works that way. Uh, cocaine addiction works that way in general. Symptoms are a bit different, but that's how it works. Now, the goal here today, the good news is, is that wall can definitely come down and the color come back. That's why you came. Amen?
1: Okay. Sure. That's quite something, hey? Yeah. And you know the thing, guys, is that God created us with this pleasure center so that we could experience the pleasure of knowing him and feeling him. And I feel desperate for our young people today because so many of them are they're grappling through just their their their, their growth hormones and their everything that's taking place physiologically as they're growing and developing, but then they've got this bombardment with their screens that is just it's just part and parcel of what they're growing up in and it's affecting them and so many of them are trapped in this place of, of numbness and shutdown and for most of the part, parents are ignorant about it so we're gonna we're gonna set up a a, a way forward so that we can rescue our children from anhedonia um I think it's very true of us in this room as well, and us online, where we are also stimulating our pleasure center so much. And if we had to be honest, like really honest, who of us would rather watch a series than do BFC? (laughs) Who of us would rather sit and scroll on Instagram than go to Connect Group? Who of us would rather play a digital game than go for a walk on the promenade? These are things we need to really look at ourselves and go is this ruling me or am I ruling it? How many of our children and teenagers find it boring to come to church or to read their Bibles? or to go to a youth group? (laughs) How many of our children are more interested in what's happening in their social media world than what God has for their future and their destiny? How many are more interested in their computer games than the Christ who gave his life for them? The God of this world is a master at distorting our view of pleasure. He either makes us feel like any form of pleasure is wrong and we shouldn't want pleasure or desire pleasure, or he entices us to get it in the wrong way, or, which is the case that we're highlighting here, he lures us into so much pleasure that our souls are harassed with overstimulation, and we become tired and broken, and then we can't even experience pleasure. Dr. Arch Hart said this, "He said the problem of anhedonia has no more serious target than our precious children. The toy, electronic, and game industry are out to capture their joy. Excitement over stimulation is a dangerous drug in both adults and children. One can either pursue excitement or pure happiness, but you cannot do both. They, our children, come to rely on excitement to keep them happy. And all this excitement is inhibiting our children's ability to enjoy life and to be happy. Dennis Pragna said that today's young people have the ability to experience excitement more than any generation before. And we're gonna show you a little advert for Brad Huddleston's um, digital cocaine material, and it's very graphic, but it is so real and it is so important that we understand that this is exactly what is happening in the brains of our children. So when you watch the advert, I want you to flip the child who's in the advert, and I want you to put your child in that advert. I want you to put your precious one that you're called to steward into that advert. Let's watch that.
0: I'm not a neuroscientist in the complete form. I'm not an expert in everything. What I am proficient in is digital addiction. When you look at those brain scans and you look at the brain scans of people who have crossed over into digital addiction, which would be pornography, social media, video games, you can't hardly tell the differences, but what happens when we get too much? We'll talk about that and the most stimulating of all of these digital drugs would be pornography.
1: Do you know how many of our young children are into pornography? Do you know how rampant it is? Even with our good kids? Because the lure and the hook is just too easy to access and it's there and it draws them in. And if you as an adult man or woman with a prefrontal cortex that's developed still struggle with that, how much more the kid's sitting with the tablet or the phone or the internet access, and it lures them in. And it's not that they're trying to be dirty, it's that it's just affecting their brain. And they don't have the ability to push the brakes. And because it's stimulating the pleasure center, and I'll move from pornography into computer games or to to YouTube or scrolling or Instagram or TikTok, it's... It's the stimulation, and it makes them feel like they're happy. But they don't really know that it's not making them happy. It's making them sick. It's harming them. And so as, as adults, as the older generation, we have got to get up to speed with stuff like this. And we have to work out how we're going to put parameters in place that safeguard ourselves and safeguard the next generation. And I mean, I would love to take us all and we all go live on some island where there's no technology and we just get to be in nature, but that's not the world we live in. They need it for school. They need it for studies. They, there's, there's so much good about technology. There's so much good about what it can do for us as humanity. But I think the ramifications of the bad are becoming way too evident because the rates of teen harm, cutting, depression, addiction, suicide have skyrocketed, shortchanging the rest of the generations to come of what they were created to do because they're no longer here, because they were so anhedonic. I read a scripture that hit me so hard in my preparation. And I'd never seen it in this light. It was quite a chilling light when I did see it. It comes from Matthew 18, verses five to six. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble and sin by leading him away from my teaching. It would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. This was Jesus speaking, guys. Woe, judgment is coming to the world because of stumbling blocks and temptations to sin. It is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to the person on whose account or through whom the stumbling block comes. What damage and sin are we allowing to happen to our children? What is coming into their eye gates, into their brains, through their screens? What damages is happening to their previous Christian worldview? How are they relating to themselves and to others and their sexuality? Who or what is discipling them? And what are we, as their guardians, ignoring, Turning a blind eye to because we're distracted with busyness, or we are tired, or it's too much effort, or the pushback from them is too intense? What are we allowing them to be conformed to because it's happening in all of their friends' households? I'm not saying all of technology is bad, but there is a lot of unhealthy stuff on TikTok and Instagram through the computer games, the desensitization, or even if it's just too much good content. You know, your child's sitting there, you know, following and following and following good content. It's still having a negative imp- impact if it's for too long a period of time. Are we really discipling our children in the ways of the Lord? Or is the culture of the world discipling them through the digital platforms that they have become devoted to? I only had to find five of the Ten Commandments to really bring this home for me. First commandment, it has no other gods before me. Which of our children would choose their phone or device over God. Don't take my phone away. No, I don't need to read my Bible. I don't need to go to church. Second commandment is don't have any idols. And for a large part of society, this is idolatry. It's stealing devotion. It's pervasive. It's all around us. It's in our handbags. It's in our pockets. It's in our it's next to our bedsides at night. It's it's our computers and our TVs in our bedrooms. We have so much availability to be connected, and we are so connected, but we disconnected from God. Commandment number five says, Honor your father and your mother. How much dishonor is happening in the households where fights and disrespect, whenever boundaries around screen time or screen restrictions are set in place? How many times are the toys getting thrown out the cot and the doors getting slammed and just, you know, tantrums and falling by the wayside because the device is being taken away? Commandment number seven says, do not commit adultery. How many children are committing adultery through the lustful sexual images that they're looking at? Commandment number 10, do not covet. How many kids, as they scroll through Instagram, are feeling very dissatisfied with the lives that they have and the things that they have and the, the wonderful opportunities and gifts that they have, but they're always looking at what somebody else has got and what's the next best things. but heavy are we are we holding ourselves tight here <laughs> okay so what are the solutions next week we are going to dedicate the whole service to practical things that we can set up and establish to address this in our own lives and in the lives of our children because there is hope yeah the great thing about Jesus he always brings truth and love okay there's grace there's his empowerment and the brain is neuroplastic it can be healed that's good i feel like i'm looking at a terrified audience (laughs) you're all going to come binge on the chocolate just to feel a bit better after the service it's okay it's up here um okay I think the first thing we need to do is we need to know that there is hope and there are solutions and that we can work together as a community and we can, we can get help for ourselves and we can get help for our children and we can be salt and light in this world and we can lead an entire generation away from bondage and into light and, um, and everything can be good. Yeah? Okay. But what we do need to do is we have to be brutally honest with ourselves. Where are we really at? And where are our children at? So, I've got a couple images that are gonna come up on the screen, and I wanna know well, no, I don't wanna know, you take this before God. What is the greatest influencer of you when you wake up in the morning? Do you wake up and see God's creation and just begin to give Him thanks and thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day? Thank you that you've created life and I've got air and I've got so much to be grateful for and there's just so much goodness around me. I think there's, oh, you know, is this this how you wake up, just giving God glory in the morning? Or do you wake up and the greatest influencer is that? What's happening in the world? Who's messaged me? Did that person get back to me? or is the greatest influencer your computer, your laptop, where you don't even want the curtains to open and the first thing you think about is I need to send that email off, or you think to yourself, maybe I can get to the next level in that game today because it's a public holiday. Or maybe you wake up and you look at your computer and you go, sure, I had hectic dreams last night from that porn. Felt so good going to sleep. Not so good through the night. So let's be brutally honest with ourselves. Let's acknowledge where we are at. And then let's do something about it. And that's my second point. Let's bring somebody else into the situation. And I'm going to really focus on that next week about accountability, about going through like a 21-day detox and doing it all together and feeling like we're not alone and we're going to rally this together. And then thirdly, Let's be like the wise people who actually fear the Lord. It it really is the beginning of all wisdom. And if we want to go the long haul with soul care and soul health and spirituality, then we're going to need the fear of the Lord to lead and direct us. Okay, so there are two groups of people that I want us to pray for and that's gonna bring the service to the end. The first group is I wanna pray for you if you have become aware, the blindness, the ignorance has has come off and you've become aware and you feel the conviction of the Lord, you acknowledge that you have overstimulation happening in your life and you wanna do something about it. If that's you, I wanna encourage you to stand to your feet. I wanna pray for you. If you feel like you've just realized, man, I need, I need to address this. There is overstimulation happening in my brain. I, I wanna take control of this. I don't wanna be subject to this. And I can tell you right now, I'm a very analog person, but I respond to this. I know I need to deal with a couple of things. I know that the amount of time I'm spending working on my device needs to change. I know I need to take breaks every 45 minutes. I know I need to respond to this. So Father, as you see your sons and daughters around this room, I thank you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to thank you that you see the heart that says, God, I recognize, I hear I hear your voice speaking and I'm responding. And I thank you that there is so much grace and there is so much help available when we humble ourselves before you, when we come before that throne of grace. And I pray right now that as you have spoken your word and your sons and daughters have responded, that there is gonna be such an ease and such a grace and such a breath of you as they begin to put things into place to take control of this so that they can have that wholeness and that, that strong sense of the spirituality that you designed them to have, that, that no, there would be no blockage between them and their pleasure in you because they are well within their souls. I pray that you would bring more information and you'd bring more men and women around them and you'd bring deep conversations and assistance where needed. And I bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. And if you feel like you can really identify with this condition of anhedonia, you feel like there's a part of you that has shut down. And maybe it's a a one out of 10, maybe it's a nine out of 10. I'm not gonna get you to stand now, but I am gonna ask you to come and speak to me after the service, because I do wanna pray for you. And I wanna see this thing broken, and I wanna see you you healed and whole, whole. Something happened to me a number of weeks ago. It was, we were on holiday. It was our, our leave. And I just woke up the first day of leave and I felt nothing. I felt absolutely dead. I didn't know what had happened to me. I was like, I'm, I'm normally full of life and passion, and, and now it's holiday time. Let's go. Let's run. Let's go and go supping. I felt dead. It only took a few hours before I realized that the Lord was giving me a taste of what it feels like to be anhedonic. I literally just dragged myself around, just going through the motions. I was there, but I wasn't alive. So I know how tormenting it is, and I really just want to pray for you if that is you. But for the rest of us, let's all just stand up, and I'm going to ask Wayne to just release a blessing over us.
2: Alright, so if that, that is you and you're feeling anecdotic, we're going to have a time of prayer after the service. Uh, so please come on up. Um, but yeah, I just, I really have a sense guys that this this is quite a convicting word and as Trish was reading those Ten Commandments and didn't even go through all of them, I realized, you know, that God didn't give us those commandments to make our lives miserable. He actually gave them to us so that we could live in maximum pleasure because to break those commands is, is not just to break some spiritual like thing. It's actually to break you. You you break when you commit adultery. You break when you start to worship idols. You break when you dishonor. It's actually you that breaks, and those are there. They boundaries. And so I was just like, as Trish was preaching, I was just thinking like boundaries are are important. They're they're God given. You know, He's put them in place so that we could flourish. And um, there's a proverb, I'm not sure, I think it's Proverb 18, where it says that a man without self-control, a man without boundaries, is like a city without walls. Um, If you just think about a city in those days without walls, it's got no protection. Anything can come in, anything can go out. It can be plundered very easily. And, you know, just thinking about this digital world we're living in, it's our boundaries have been broken down, and anything is coming in, everything is going out, um, and I want to say, like, I think we need to go just, after this message, Let's go revisit some boundaries. What, what What is your time with the Lord? Like, when is that time? And is there a boundary around it? Does the phone go off? And do you say, okay, between this time and this time, it's me and God, it's me and the Word? Or has that time just become anything is going in that time? Think about our, our, our gadgets in the evenings. Is there a boundary around that? For some of us, you know, it's, and Trish was mentioning gaming, she was mentioning porn, she was mentioning social media, but another one is work work is highly addictive especially when it's on a screen you know clicking that spreadsheet and making the columns line up and making sure your headings all match and everything and all the formulas work for some of us that's like you know playing games online you know let's be honest <laughs> and you know i like a good spreadsheet and it's got to work well you know, th- is there a boundary around work when does work stop for you when does it start for you Let's make sure that we are wise in this generation and we're preserving ourselves in this process. And so I just want to just, if you ask, if you could just lift your hands this morning, I want to pray for the blessing of wisdom over you. The Bible says this, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God in faith who gives liberally to all who ask. So Father, I pray this morning that you would bless us as your people with wisdom wisdom to build boundaries in our lives, wisdom to steward our time well, wisdom to steward our bodies well. Lord, would you pour out wisdom on us, Lord, supernatural wisdom that we're going to walk out of here, Lord, knowing how to steward better, knowing how to order our homes, order our children, their lives, Lord, order our work lives, Lord God, with wisdom so that we can flourish, Lord. Lord, today I say no to the plan of the enemy over your people to plunder them, to destroy their boundaries, to take away their self-control. And I pray for a restoration now, Lord God, that we would be one step ahead of the enemy as we walk out of here, that we're not going to be 10 steps behind on, you know, just wondering what happened, but one step ahead of the enemy, Lord, seeing his plans, seeing his temptations and being able to resist him so that we can live more for you. I bless you with wisdom today, church, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
0: Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at iandurban.com. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.